are listening to Sensemaking, a series of conversations with communication design students synthesizing how we make sense of the world, who we are and what we are, working the alternative media space in the new normal era, hosted by Graham Newman. Hello. In this first of six programs, we are having a conversation about social media toxicity, the intrinsic versus the extrinsic, unpacking how might we avoid the dopamine hit of social media addiction prevalent in modern society, particularly among young adults. Psychological studies have proven that socially anxious and lonely individuals use social media to compensate for lacking in-person relationships, and they are among the four types of toxic people characterising online users. Steady users, whose toxicity scores are steady over time. Fickle-minded users that switch between toxic and non-toxic commenting. Pacified users, whose commenting becomes less toxic in time. And radicalised users that become gradually toxic. There is a good side to social media, of course, too, provided we can throw away the manipulation model and use common sense to deal with matters arising from attacks with those whom we interact with that affect our behaviour, health and well-being. In advance of the conversation, the students prepared by watching a Channel 4 news interview with Jaron Lanier from 2018 on how social media ruins your life and Richard Grannon's 2019 film, The Social Dilemma, in conversation with Sam Vaknin on the true toxicity of social media, both of which are on YouTube and recommended to get an expert perspective on how social media addiction and manipulation is designed with pathology in mind. And we're joined by students from Comdi, the International Programme in Communication Design in the Faculty of Architecture at Chulalongkorn University here in Bangkok. With us today are Parmi, Mai, Fond, Gigi, Zebo, Nub and Merce. Let's begin by getting some perspective on this phenomenon. So my question is, does social media toxicity exist as design students in higher education? I think, yes. Well, because even though some of the students in higher education have overall and low-rounded knowledge, but media literacy can be a new thing, especially in Thailand, and uh, or like uh, new media such as social media. So basically, I feel like uh, as like a communication designer, so we have to like communicate our works or any media, like in a normal basis and uh, using social media it's like become like what we have done like in our daily life yeah to like ex- expose our work i think that social media is such a huge part of our lives and that if pretty much everyone has social media and in terms of communicating our designs putting it out into the world social media is the fastest way to do it and I think that with some platforms, it's designed so that you can see what other people are interested in. So, for example, Twitter, there are retweets. You might see something that someone retweeted from someone they follow, follow someone else. And, yeah, I think that's where 
like you're exposed to a lot of toxicity? Um, so I feel like graphic designers are being mistreated in social media because many people of those platforms platforms believe that design is not worth the money and it's easy to do and design could be done within a day or but it's not true so that's like my point of view for me if it's toxicity within like our design community i think there is um unintentional toxicity that comes from like instagram or facebook where people like us we post our work onto the internet and from our perspective, we're just like sharing what we created and what we're proud of. But for others, when, when other people look at the work, they feel pressure to, to be, be on this level or they have to be working at like an, another place, another time. And it, yeah, it adds pressure for people who are not at like the same learning curve or surrounded by different uh, designers and such. I think that could be a negative and like high pressure on people who are designing. Social media is a good place for you to um, kind of exchange and share your ideas and designs. However, I think there's like a fine line between taking inspiration and, you know, making it your own and plagiarizing the work. I'm not sure if that's like related to social media, but I think it's a real problem. I think these are all really interesting points. Um, there, There is this concept that commoditizing social status via likes is detrimental to mental health. And I think that's also very apparent with design because it is very, it's very sub subjective. Do you, do you feel any anxieties uh, regarding your own experience with social media? Do you think it's detrimental to your, to your mental health? Yeah, I think it does. Like for, for my personal experience, like, um, uh, when like I try to like uh, post or like upload my personal work on the internet, like the one that like I'm really like about it, and it like didn't gain much engagement. So it's kind of like feel like oh, and cheers and feel like oh maybe like I'm not good enough or maybe um it's not what people like and I need like improvement something like that. So I think that's kind of cause like anxiety to like and create like some self doubt to like our um, works, yeah. Okay, so I think a lot of teenagers have uh, body dysmorphia due to social media because they see all those influencers and like celebrities post their bodies and how good they look, but they don't actually look that good in real life. They use Photoshop and other things. So yeah, you can go on. Um, so I'd like to ask, um, to add a point regarding like envy and the kind of jealousy that got created from social media engagement and responses. Like, um, I think one of the video talk about like how, um, jealousy is kind of different from envy. There's a kind of like positive jealousy that you got from seeing other works and really strive to being good on your own, like to reach the level and to be pals with them. But then there's also like this kind of like pathological envy that got caused through like um, negative motivation and you just want to ruin them or you feel really bad about yourself seeing all other people's being good. 
Yeah, I thought so, that I, I thought that was a really interesting point, Mai, that Sam Vaknin made. That there is a there is a separation between um, jealousy and envy, and that these channels are actually encouraging this pathological envy. Uh, you know, it's a very destructive motivation, and we can if we can try and differentiate jealousy from envy. Yet it seems to be that the agenda is designed with this pathology in mind. I'd be very interested to get your views on that too. Yeah, um, I think for this point only, I feel like you have to consider like, the target group of investigating, investigation regarding like social media use. Because I feel like even though social media have really negative impacts, there's also other impacts that you have to consider regarding like personal individuality, like personality, that kind of thing. And like, there are some people who might feel dangerously like insecure when they, they see other people being better than themselves or they feel really like this kind of unnecessary aggressions that feels like you have to cause them pain and ruin their life so you can feel good about yourself but there's also other people who have like a really how should i say like um effective mechanism psychological mechanism and they like they know themselves and they know like how to improve themselves when they see other people being you know, better than themselves. There's like a, a healthy kind of motivational um, treasury, I think. But yeah, and I, and other than that, I feel like, yeah, um, they hit really like a nail on the head when they say social media is inheriting, manipulating these people kind of psychological biases about themselves and about the world. So, you know, the contents, the algorithms are all designed to like eat into people mentality and prey on insecurity. Um, I wanted to throw in some fact from the video that anxiety was increased by 20% since 2007. And I feel like that's a huge number to be increased by. I'd like to add on about talking about the algorithm and Instagram in general is is one of the main big ones that creates this anxiety because of this idea this this false image of these people because they're only posting um, the positive sides of their life making it seem to others like there's only good stuff and and when they compare themselves to the the false image of other people in real life that that the algorithm promotes um they they feel like they're lesser than them because because they were they're not revealed the whole image but only the good sides and the successful sides even though everyone has their own problems inside uh, and their missed accomplishments yes i agree i think there's this there's this huge area that we can unpack about intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation and just to define that you know if you're intrinsically motivated, you know, these behaviors are performed because of the sense of personal satisfaction that they bring to you. Whereas extrinsic motivation on the flip side are motivated behaviors that are performed in order to receive something from others to avoid certain negative outcomes. And that's very apparent in the visual form, particularly with uh, Instagram and certainly the uh, perception of, um, uh, you know, success 
money, wealth, body figure, all of these things are um, really uh, highly um, impactful, um, I think, on men and women. Um, looking at uh, you know the the kind of person that you want to be, but you're being informed by these things which are frankly fabricated, and it seems that there is an emphasis on men and women being influenced by more extrinsic values than intrinsic values on social media. Um, what are your thoughts on that point? But this generation, with like on social media. There's a great fear of missing out. So we're social animals and the most fearful thing is ostracization as we saw in the interview. And I kind of relate to that because we feel that we have to constantly post something um, to keep up with other people. And it's kind of like this tiring race that you always have to keep up with. Yeah, I, was, I think I also feel like that. Like there's a the kind of, repetitive reinforcement that social media just keep encouraging in people. They just repeat the whole cycle of toxicity and trying to please other people and getting substantial um, rewards for their behavior and what they post on social medias. And so, yeah. And I, I also kind of feel like extrinsic values kind of already pre-exist in human psychology and then it kind of extends to to a, like a higher level within the social playground that is social medias and like i feel like social media kind of how's how to say like strengthen that kind of values already people already possess because of the quick social media does encourage quick repost responses you saw something and bam it's right into in front of your face and then you kind of just absorb the kind of values. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very interesting to point out that we inherently rely on like being in a group of people rather than being alone. I think that um, from from my research, it's actually a very biological thing because in the past, hunters and gatherers, when they are together more, they're more likely to survive. So the the people who are have more empathy or have have more like response in order to get together or more um, likely to survive. Therefore, us humans are living the consequences of that when we are no longer needing other people, which causes the loneliness we have now. Um, regarding the point about extrinsic motivation, I think that on social media, it's a lot more dramatic than it is in real life because you can see the actual numbers. There are numbers, say, for example, um, the number of likes you get per post or the number of followers you have, it's right there and it's being counted and constantly counted. And I think, for example, Instagram, there's only one way you can react to a photo, which is you can like it. And there's nothing in between. It's just you like it or you don't like it and you scroll past. What, what is very, I think, very dangerous in today's society is groupthink and echo chambers, where one idea is has to be the group the whole everyone has to agree to this one if you're opposed to it then like you get cancelled or you get banned having a different opinion is like not um in like not accepted especially when we talk about design like it's very subjective of what style or what trend you like and what trend we are on right now it keeps changing and evolving while if you like a certain one that's not in this trend you get hated on or like not as accepting as like what's currently 
the group think or the the main thing everyone agrees upon or forced to agree upon at the moment? Do you agree with that point, Nub? Well, I think um, for the social media, the one of the thing is that they have this algorithm that only show you what you want to see, and this keeps you engaging. Um, so sometimes when you really into something and only see one side of view, this could be really um, um, scary for the whole society, especially seeing like lifestyle of people who are living in a different geography or different um, culture. This could be, I think, um, quite terrifying. So some people might think it is appropriate, or I don't know. Yeah, it's quite different from like television media or like other media. It's quite new. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, I'd like. I want to add to like the point of, that Murph made about like how um we as like an evolutionary kind of species we rely on group before to survive and to adapt to situations. And so like there's this kind of like primal instincts about like if you are my enemy or you're my friend you're my enemy then out you go like cancel cultures on its own is kind of based on the same concept it encouraged that kind of binary and intrinsic aggressions to other people that oppose your view that before it used to be like good for the um surviving but now it's just maladaptive we're actually going to do a separate co- a separate podcast entirely dedicated to cancel culture. So I'm, I'm really interested to get those conversations yeah. going. Uh, Gigi, you were going to say something. Um, yeah, just to add from your point, I feel like in the end, we're insatiable to comparison. We have to constantly compare our work to other people. And sometimes that happens uninstinctively. Like you don't know about it, but you kind of slip into that system of like having to measure yourself and level up with everyone. And therefore that kind of affects you and your own self-worth without you knowing it. So I've got a provocative question for you. I always think that we should behave in social media the same way that we behave in real life when we meet face to face. But I have been guilty of perhaps not being as you know civically minded, and and I have been drawn into the toxicity of uh, social media. You know, none of us are perfect, and um, I f- I feel very very bad about it. The thing is, you can't undo it. You know, this data still this this still exists, and it's time stamped, and it. Will Will be it will be there for forever i think the challenge is to actually try and remind ourselves everything that we write on social media and everything that we post should be equally as considered as when we're actually you know meeting face to face and these kind of margins of error are really diminishing there's a very interesting article uh, published in acm which is the association of computing machinery this is from 2020 the proceedings of the 11th nordic conference and the paper's called the four types of toxic people characterizing online users toxicity over time and these are defined as the following we have stable users toxicity of the users comments do not noticeably change over time this is a research paper And secondly, we have radicalized users and increased toxicity over time. We then have pacified users, decreased toxicity over time, and fickle-minded users, 
fluctuating toxicity, both increasing and increasing over period. And the study showed that most of the users, 31.2%, are fickle-minded, alternating between toxic and non-toxic comments. And then pacified users, second most common, 25.8%. But the difference to radicalized users in terms of frequency was 25.4%. It's not that large, is it? And steadily toxic users are the least frequent, 17.6% in this sample. So we could argue that, you know, the very toxic users kind of jump in um, and, you know, very short sentences and they're there to kind of, you know, destroy what the recipient is saying or posting. But by that same point, we should also agree, hopefully, that there is some good stuff on social media or is it completely toxic? I feel like um, there there is both, both like toxicity and like positivity, but um, I think people are more like impacted by the negative comments, like very more immersed with that. For like example, if like someone says something good to us, then we're like, oh, we appreciate it. But if like there is some like negativity happen, like or like comes some like toxic comments, so we try to like we kind of like get more be more sensitive and like focus on that thing rather than like um the others uh, positivity in the media um i think one thing to have we have to keep in mind is that um for social media we just the product of all these social company that use us to um collect information from us and um so all they wanted to do is just keep us engaging with the platform so that they can collect as much as information as possible. So there might be a good positive thing about using it and there might be a bad thing about using it, but all they wanted to do is just, they just want you to use it. So they don't care if you like gonna destroy the world with it or you're just gonna gather your family with it. Yes, I, I love Jaron Lanier's point, the Silicon Valley stealthy spying companies Essentially, you know, it's an infringement on privacy and data, and these these data sets are being sold, you know, to to third parties, wanting you to buy stuff that you don't necessarily want. And and I find this a real a real dilemma with the you know the the, the principle of the internet was to actually establish a kind of quasi utopian world where people had freedom to do and say what they want, but it seems to have gone the complete flip side, and it's almost become a, a duopoly between between Facebook and Google, arguably to to actually control us and what we see and do and what we what we purchase. Uh, I, I'd like to touch on the earlier point when you said that uh, you. I think we all have made some like wrong mistakes out of anger or like um but uh I, I, looking at the statistics from yuga vamnibus a, a study on um 57 percent of americans who use social media are suffering from posting regrets so th i think that it's a it's a very human nature to to make mistakes and in the past we learn from them and we get over them but now that we're in the age where our our past is being recorded, all the mistakes that we've learned from can be used against us later on. Like, for example, like James Gunn, who directed um, Guardians of the Galaxy, he was like um, being canceled on a tweet that he made 10 years ago where it was a different time and a different type of humor. 
and it's used against him and he's he got fired and he could not express his um you know his talent or his directing skills over on the new movie but now it's been restored but um yeah that that's something that's very scary about today's age where your past is always going to be haunting you. So there's a lot of uh, gaslighting in the celebrity and influence like community. There are a lot of screenshots and like videos of what people did maybe like 10 years ago and they're still guilty for it. And it could be released anytime and be like, people could be gaslighted by it, but people don't care. Even if it was like 10 years ago, it was still your mistake. I want to I want to move on and talk about this emerging theme about extreme anxiety. Um, I think it's really important that other students and young people listening to this podcast can perhaps draw um, some positivity and and get some insights on your own feelings and thoughts on how could we potentially deal with this extreme anxiety. And I'm not suggesting we just switch this thing off for six months. Um, Unfortunately, we're hardwired to this. Maybe you you can talk from your own experiences or or just just be more general, please. Um, Maybe seek out professional help because insecurities and anxiety like comes from within. And we're all like on social media and just kind of intoxicating. I think the best and most like convenient ways to talk to a real person, just like someone from a family, that is the best. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to also add on that point, like seek out somebody in real life to help you or like professional help from therapists. But um, another point I want to consider is like also how anxiety on social media can be carried over past life experiences with your friends and your family members. Like, I feel like in general, if we consider cultural comparison, Eastern women kind of have this more um, pressure to success and to behave. So yeah, I think that that can be a point to consider as well. I think that if you're being faced with like being attacked by someone on social media, I think you should find someone in real life who that who you're close to, who if you're with them, you feel reassured that you're you're in a safe place. And I think that can really help kind of just kind of mediate the damage done. And they can sort of become kind of your shield between you and the social media. So if you feel intimidated by like social media, maybe you should unfollow some influencers or celebrities that make you feel insecure or have anxiety and surround yourself with people with your body type with like people just who look like you to make you feel better i'd, I'd really like to add on that point about surrounding yourself because i think uh, from from my discussion with people on reddit that i've seen a lot of conversations where people quit instagram or they quit facebook it's not not that these platforms are always bad but it's it's at the end it's how you use the platform is what it's what is important like there's a lot of misuse of the platform and surround yet the, the main point I think is like to use Instagram or Facebook correctly is to um, only include people that, that bring positive things into your life and exclude and you know get rid of the people that bring toxicity and if that's the best way to use it instead of just shutting things off. And sometimes um, the person who is attacking you it's probably not your fault, but maybe it's sometimes they're not satisfied with their work or themselves. So maybe you could talk to them and help them with like deeper issues that you might be having underlying. 
And that's it for this week. My thanks to contributions from Palmy, Mai, Fond, Gigi, Zebor, Nub and Merce from Chulalong Kong University. To find out more about the program, visit Comde, that's C-O-M-M-D-E dot com. Join us next time when we will be discussing hypernormalization from a youth and popular culture perspective. Until then, from me, Graham Newman, many thanks for listening. <laughs>